It is the LDS Life Podcast on Tuesday, April 14th, 2020. This is Kevin Williams broadcasting, or should I say podcasting to you in Billings, Montana, where it is very cold outside, and I wish I had Al Gore's number, and I could call him and tell him to change the weather, but then he would be so freaked out about global warming, he'd probably lecture me, wouldn't he? Um, anyhow, Michelle Jorgensen is my guest here. How are you? Great. Thank you Good. for having me on. Absolutely. I think we're going to have a very enlightening discussion. I've learned a lot over the past day about holistic dentistry. Now, those of you who are listening and who have listened, you're saying, oh, Kevin, you've already had a holistic dentist on. Yes, I have, but I think we're going to learn much more with Michelle than with Wendell. Nothing against Wendell. He was a great guy, but uh, I think Michelle has some things, so we'll just get started here. Uh, before we get into holistic dentistry, though, let's talk about the coronavirus. How are you holding up there in Utah? Well, we're holding up okay. Pretty much hold up is the, is the right word because we're not doing a lot. My office has been closed for the last three weeks. We're seeing only life-threatening emergencies only by uh, pretty much uh, authority of the Utah State Health Department. So we're not doing a lot in the office. I am doing a lot outside of the office, creating online courses, online eBooks, online information pieces, all sorts of things. So I'm staying busy, but uh, not doing dentistry right now. Actually, I thought if you had a client, they could see you based on one of the videos I saw, as long as they signed a paper that Yes, you could get the coronavirus from your dentist. Wasn't the, that's what I got in the impression of one of your webinars? Isn't that true? I could technically... not from the state of Utah now. State of Utah uh, gave an order three weeks ago saying that all we could see was life-threatening emergencies only. So that's severe pain, severe swelling, um, that sort of thing, and that's it. Well, let me ask you this because uh, I know you definitely have opinions about it. So do I. What do you think of all these, what I call draconian measures, uh, these lockdowns, which in my opinion are unnecessary, but uh, what do you think? Well, this is an interesting virus. You know, as a healthcare worker, I, I feel like I have a little bit of a different uh, insider view on it than perhaps others do. Um, when this virus started coming around, there was a lot of talk in dentistry about how are we going to prevent the transmission of it? And you know, we all chuckled a bit because our entire profession is centered around infections. Like we, we spread infections every single day, whether it might be, you know, simple things um, that everybody just passes through and nothing happens. Or, you know, we, we've had to be concerned about HIV, about HBV, hepatitis B, um, about all kinds of things on a daily basis. So we're quite good at controlling infection. But this one is different simply in that it's a high transmissible virus, meaning a lot of people are going to get it. It's just the way it is. It's easily passed. It's very contagious. So a lot of people are going to get it. Now, there's not a lot of people that are going to die from it, thankfully, um, but there's just a lot of people that are going to get it. So the more people that get it, the more people will die just simply by, you know, percentages. That's just the way it works. Um, so as a healthcare worker, I'm glad that we're all taking a bit of a break because I would like fewer people to get it. Fewer people get it, fewer people die. That's just the way it is. Um, whether we need everything that we've been doing right now, I don't know. Um, it's a lot. And it's, a, it's hard to be ordered to do it as well, I think. But 
I am glad that I'm not having to worry moment by moment that is a person walking in my practice infected without knowing it, asymptomatic, and as such, am I going to be spreading that disease through my entire practice and every patient walking in the door after that will be potentially infected as well. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. So I think I voluntarily would have probably closed my doors for a little while through the peak of this. So me as a healthcare worker, I think I probably have a little different view. Yeah, my, my biggest issue is, uh, I guess I'm looking at this from a political standpoint, uh, me being interested in politics. What I don't want is, oh my gosh, there's a flu season. We better shut down. I could just see how this can easily spiral out of control. It's setting a very, in my mind, unwanted precedent for such behavior to happen. Now, yeah, maybe in the bigger cities, you know, if the mayor wants to do a lockdown, fine. But how long can we do that before we, before the economy starts going bad? I've been reading reports. If this keeps going on for too long, we're going to have food shortages because the packing plants are shut down. Uh, we, we could look into some really serious consequences here if something isn't done in the next two or three months. And I hope that we can get back to work sooner than later. Plus, uh, to your point with the people dying, mostly it's, and I don't want to minimize any deaths. In fact, I'm going to go on the record. If you're elderly, you should probably stay home unless you're one of those people. Oh, I'm 83 years old. I'm healthy. I've lived a good life. If, uh, if I catch this and die, that's fine. Okay, we got to respect that. But if you're elderly and are afraid about catching the virus, you better stay home because this, this is, I don't want to minimize, it is a serious virus. If you have little infants, yeah, you might want to keep the infant home for a while, at least just around family members or something. But for somebody that's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, probably on up to about 60, if you're healthy and you don't have any immune deficiencies, my personal opinion, just based on what I've been reading, I don't think you have much to worry about. The only thing you might have to worry about is catching, uh, getting the virus and catching, uh, spreading it to other folks. But I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, well, where's the common sense? But anyway, that's for a whole nother discussion, isn't it? Anything you want to respond to there, though? It's a hard, it's a hard call on this one because it is different than the typical flu virus and other things just because of its high rate of transmissibility. That's the difference. And so hopefully there hasn't been a precedent set. You know, hopefully we're not going to see this happen with every single outbreak that comes along. Hopefully this is, you know, related to just this really infectious, you know, highly contagious virus. Um, you know, to your point is about the economy. I've made zero dollars in my dental practice for the last three weeks. You know, that's a, that's a big deal. And I don't see that it, it's going to come back within the next at least two, I think before, before the beginning of May, maybe at that point with just limited procedures, we're going to have to do a lot more in our practice to protect ourselves, to protect our patients. Once we get back, um, there's a lot of change. So, you know, is it going to affect the economy? Absolutely. 110%. There's no question. Everything's going to be a bit different on the other side. And I think people are going to have to really consider that and think about that. And, you know, it's interesting. I always tie everything back to dentistry, but in my mind, it, it really ties back to your immune system and, you know, to survive on the other side, we're all going to have to be very creative about the way we do things. We're going to have to be creative about business. We're going to have to be creative about the way we work together 
And um, we are, I think, are going to have to think about how can we have stronger bodies and stronger systems? Because I don't think this is going to be an isolated event. I think there's probably more on the horizon that may be coming. And so how do we prepare ourselves physically even for what may be coming in, in the next little while, economically and um, just in, in, the, in the world in general? Anyway, so for me, that always ties back to dentistry. Well, let me ask you this, though, uh, before we move on, since you are in the medical profession. And by the way, I do respect your opinion. You're smart. Um, if you have a differing opinion than me, that's fine. Uh, you're a smart person. Um, I, I can tell by your website and such, which we're going to get into, you know, uh, you're smart. Um, I know somebody who is a respiratory therapist, and she is highly upset with a lot of what's happening in the medical profession. Apparently, and I have no ground to stand on here, so I'll rely on your expertise, She's worried about catching the virus, which I can understand uh, because, A, she had a big weight problem and she had a surgery to get rid of a lot of her weight. But B, she's a respiratory therapist. So, yeah, she's going to be dealing with a lot of elderly. She's upset that she doesn't have the proper equipment. I guess they do have masks, but they're not the same masks apparently in China. And this is according to her, uh, people dress up in these big suits and go into the hospital room and work on people with these big suits on that supposedly help you prevent getting the virus from a doctor's standpoint, help the doctor prevent it. Uh, are you concerned about measures like that? Is that a valid concern? Because uh, I have no ground to stand on on this one. That is a valid concern. Um, because this is such a transmissible virus. Basically what that means is just a large percentage of the people that come into contact with it are going to contract the illness that goes along with the virus, a large percentage. Um, I have a, a great graph that I've shared with a lot of people that shows the difference in um, the number of people who have gotten cousins or precursors to this. There's a MERS that was earlier. There was SARS-1 that was earlier. They were, the, the, the max people that got MERS was about 8,000 in the whole entire world, 8,000. And so the number of people that died was very small. The number of people that have contracted this COVID-2 or SARS-2 that they're calling it is in the hundreds of thousands. So it's just easier to get it. It's easier to get it. And so there is something that are, that's called a PAPR, P-A-P-R, are air purifying respirators, basically like a hazmat suit, where the air that you're breathing is completely self-contained. That would be ideal, 100%. That would be ideal. However, it's just not available. They're just not around. So we're going to have to change a lot that we do in dentistry. People don't realize. Um, so respiratory therapist is going to be one of the, the most um, dangerous professions right now. Ear, nose, and throat. Anybody working with the respiratory system is going to be extremely in danger. That's a dentist because everything comes out of the mouth that is, is infected with this virus. Everything comes out of, you know, secretions from the mouth, the nose, um, the respiratory tract. It's all in our faces every single day in the dental office. So that's why we're concerned about it. And uh, you have a right to be. You have a right to be concerned. You are yep. dealing with people in a different way than somebody yep. like me, you, some Absolutely. elderly person. So yep. uh, you have yep. a right to be concerned and you should And we don't be. want to spread it. I don't want to spread it. I don't want you coming into my office healthy and getting the virus in my office because someone that was infected but didn't know it, but asymptomatic was in that office as well. I mean, that's a concern for me as a healthcare provider as well. 
I don't want to be the mode that someone, you know, the place that someone gets sick. That would be devastating to me. Well, here's my so take. It is, it is a concern. Uh, yeah, here's my, here's my feeling. And people are going to think that I'm insensitive. I don't want the virus right now. Don't give it to me now. If I'm ever going to get the virus, who knows if I'll get it or not? Who knows? But if I'm going to get it, give it to me once I have my own place instead of living with my brother. Hmm. Give it to me then, and then I'll have 14 days to get over it. So for the record, Michelle, if I come into your office and happen to got, get the coronavirus, I would not uh, complain at you. <laughs> Uh, because if I am supposed to get it, just give it to me once I move out and then I'll be quarantined and it'll be over and hopefully I'll be immune to this thing and I'll move on. Don't you, do you think a lot of people have the same attitude as me? Um, perhaps, perhaps, but I still don't want to be the place that someone gets sick. <laughs> Yeah. Even, you know, even if they do have that attitude. So I want to stay safe and I want to keep all my well, patients. I, I guess it kind of reminds me of the measles. Remember, mm -hmm. people used to have these measles parties. They get their kids the measles. Not because they were bad parents. Give it to them now and they'll be done. Give them the chicken pox now and they'll be done. You know, obviously, you got to use some judgment there as a parent. But I guess I kind of have that same attitude. You know, if there's a, well, we won't go there. But let's mm -hmm. talk about uh, holistic dentistry, though. Um, it's this easier is to very, talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is very fascinating. Uh, when I first heard about holistic dentistry, I was on the fence about it. But I think that this could work. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there is a holistic dentist here in Billings. But the other issue I have, my brother is a dentist. I get free care. So and I, I've really had nothing wrong with my teeth except for cavities. Let's talk about it, though, because in uh, your website here, which I think is a very profound statement, it says, you can't have a healthy mouth without a healthy body. Let's get into that. What did you mean by that? And vice versa. You can't have a healthy body without a healthy mouth. Okay. Can't, yeah, okay. I so wrote it down both. wrong. My apology. No, it's both ways. It goes both ways. Absolutely. So I think it's important to... to share with your listeners the reason I am where I am, basically where, where my story, you know, how my story got me to where I am today. Um, so I was a general dentist, just like your brother. Uh, my father's a dentist. I have three younger brothers that are dentists. And so we're very much a dental family. And my father and I were practicing together, um, busy, good practice, doing a lot of great dentistry. And uh, this was about I always lose track on the exact time, but about eight, eight years ago. Um, and I started to really not be well. Um, I'd already always had digestive issues, but what year really, was this by the way? It was about eight years ago. So 2012, somewhere okay. in that vicinity, 10, 2010, 2012, somewhere around in there. It's okay. hard to pinpoint exactly when things began, but that was when it really started to, to go downhill quickly. So lots of the digestive issues, but the bigger things were um, my memory. I've always had a good memory. I've always, you know, been able to remember things I read and, and things I see. And, and all of a sudden I couldn't remember even a patient's name from one room to the next. So it was a significant change for me. Um, and I also had a lot of uh, numbness in my hands to the point that I almost couldn't hold the dental drill anymore because my hand would go so numb while working on a patient. And so, so yeah, that a case became of neuropathy. Yeah, it, it was terrible. And so I had my practice for sale. 
Um, I did not think I was going to be able to continue practicing because I couldn't with about being able to hold, hold a handpiece anymore. And I was talking with colleagues about what I was going to do for the rest of my life. You know, I was in my mid thirties. There was no way I was going to be done at that point. And one of them said, you know, have you ever looked into mercury toxicity or mercury poisoning? I said, well, I don't, I don't know why I would have that. I don't have any mercury fillings because I mean, as a dentist, I know the material that we use and the, the fillings that are people call silver. They're actually 50% mercury. They have been, always will be. That's just the, the, the way they're made. So, but I said, well, I don't have any, I don't have any fillings in my mouth. I don't have any amalgam. They're called amalgam also. I don't have any amalgam fillings. And he said, well, it's not the fillings you have. It's the fillings you've been drilling out without protection for 15 years. Had never a second thought that. And uh, so I got tested and sure enough, I had mercury poisoning. <laughs> off the chart mercury poisoning that was the neuropathy issues that was the memory issues that was the digestive issues everything was related to the mercury and i had no idea the profession i i had never ever been told that drilling out old fillings because i i did i did every single day i was a cosmetic dentist a lot of people didn't like the way the, their black fillings looked so we'd drill them out and replace them with white fillings or you know if a filling had broken and we needed to replace it we'd drill out the the, the silver filling and replace it and I was breathing in all of that dust, all of that vapor, all of that everything on every single patient that I had worked on. And no one had ever told me that that would be problematic or that that could cause health issues in me. And it was just crazy to me. So I started doing a lot of research and figured out that I couldn't get healthy if I kept breathing it in. Like I couldn't keep breathing the mercury in and expect to get it out of my body and get better. So I had to figure out, was there a way to keep being a dentist and doing this and be able to get healthy at the same time. So thankfully I found an organization that has really pioneered this and created protocol and standards for how to remove mercury filling safely. And that's where I started. I just used their protocol and their advice and their equipment and had to piece it all together and figure out how to do it and started removing mercury fillings with extra protection. So I wore, I wear a mercury filtration mask, a lot like they're wearing for coronavirus now. A mercury filtration mask, um, we had special things for the patient. Uh, we cover the patient's face, the skin, because there's a lot of absorption that goes through the skin. On uh, the mouth, we have a special vacuum that goes outside of the mouth that'll collect a lot of the uh, vapors and things that come off of the fillings as we're drilling them out. So I just started doing it safely and I started getting better. And that made me think. So I'm, I'm a thinker. I'm a reader. I, I like to really do a lot of research and find out things for myself. And I thought, you know what, if this has been completely swept under the rug by the profession for this you know, my entire career, is there anything else I should be concerned about? Because this made me deathly ill. Is there something else I should be concerned about? And that led me on a path that I did not expect. And I never expected to be where I'm at now. And I don't even like to be called a holistic dentist because when you say holistic, everybody thinks that you're going to have like beads and incense and you're going to be doing chants over them. And it's like some kind of- Oh, I've never thought that. I've known enough about holistic <laughs> Good. I mean, I'm glad you did. So thankfully you're thoughtful in that regard. Holistic should be spelled with a W like whole. It should consider the whole body when you're considering the mouth, because that's really what we do is we look and we say, hmm, interestingly enough, the teeth are connected to you and you're connected to your teeth. So perhaps what happens in your tooth or in your mouth could affect the rest of you and vice versa. And it does. <laughs> that's what I've been studying for the last eight years heavily wrote a book about this have so much information that i've shared because i want people to know 
So that's, actually, that's, I want to talk about the word holistic for a minute. My brother and I got into an argument on Friday night <laughs> about the word holistic. He told me quit using that word because it deals with the body as a whole. And I said, not exactly. Uh, I've heard the word holistic being used with people who eat very healthy, fresh food, green smoothies, uh, things like that. So what exactly is the definition of holistic here so we can clear up this argument? Because I think I am act actually right. It really is. It can be used outside of health or medicine as well. I've heard a lot of things in business saying that this is a holistic approach to business, that sort of thing. So it's really talking about comprehending all of the parts and considering their interaction together. So it doesn't matter if it's in health, it, it doesn't matter if it's in business, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, whatever you're talking about, you can talk about a holistic approach to that, thinking of all the parts and how they relate to one another. In medicine, it is treating the whole person, taking account, you know, all the things that affect their overall wellness, not just the symptoms of the disease, but what else could be playing into that? What are the roots of some of that? Considering all the pieces that inter, inter, interlock. So holistic so is used outside of medicine too. So here's a question. Um, I used to drink a lot of green smoothies. I don't now because my whole living situation's changed. But back in the day, I drank uh, green smoothies every day for breakfast. I called it the healthy version of coffee because they did wake me up. And then as far as meat, I did not eat any meat except chicken and fish. The exception to that would be probably Sunday dinner or on the weekends. But generally, if I was eating meat, it was usually chicken and fish. Was that, would you consider that holistic, at least to some degree? So the way holistic is used, let's use your example then for you. You were considering your health in a holistic way. You were thinking, what does that green smoothie do for my body? It's more than just the smoothie and more than just the fact that you're drinking it. You're saying, okay, that's spinach. Let's say if you use spinach or some other kind of leafy green in there, that spinach has a high level of calcium in it. Uh, my bones, Absolutely. that will then benefit my bones. Or if I don't eat a lot of red meat, then that will probably help my cholesterol levels. So that's going to help me on a holistic, in a holistic matter. Does that make sense? So, yeah. so yes, you are being holistic in that and that you're saying, I am doing this for reasons that will help more than just me drinking a drink. It's going to help my body. It's going to give me more minerals, more vitamins, more this, more that. That's thinking holistically. What else could this impact and what else does this relate to? Yeah. And uh, by the way, just a side note, don't drink a green smoothie at midnight. I did that. I did not get to sleep till about four in the morning. Bad <laughs> idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. So that mineral, that mineral boost you had was not a good one, huh? No. <laughs> and to make things worse, I had to go to the water park. Then I probably didn't get to sleep till about four. I didn't wake up till about 12 in the afternoon. It was oh. bad. <laughs> yep. So again, it uh, had a holistic effect on your body. It affected more than just your stomach. It affected your overall system, which is a holistic effect. It had mm -hmm. more effect than just where it hit your gut. Yeah, and uh, by the way, we'll get back into dentistry. I did lose probably a good 20, 30 pounds. That was pretty heavy, and it worked. Mm -hmm. uh, I would consider, we'll get back into dentistry, but this is really fascinating here, folks. Um, I'm sure you'll like this conversation. Um, I have foot problems. Ever, I don't know what's gone on with my feet, but ever since 
late 2017. I've just had these random blisters pop up on my feet from who knows where. And I just let it go thinking these blisters will heal themselves over time. And I remember going on a vacation up here to Billings at the time to see my brother. These blisters were getting worse and worse. I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't want anybody panicking about them. Uh, but when I got home, I had a friend of mine check and he said, you better go see a doctor. Your foot looks infected. I can see the I can see this other layers of skin went to the doctor and he said, yeah, I can see your nerves. And, oh, geez. I'm glad I took care of this now. So I got a bunch of cream and it helped and it worked. And then the same thing happened again a few months, about a month later, while I was in Eastern Oregon, except for this got worse because I took matters into my own hands, trying to rub shea butter on it, trying to pop the blister myself. Bad idea. It just got worse. Went to a doctor. He gave me an antibiotic, which is good because at the time I wasn't going to mess around with whatever it was holistic. I was going to get this fixed the way that I knew how, the medical route. And it worked, uh, you know, and then I went to an actual podiatrist. He gave me this prescription of the medical cream and it worked. But I got really tired of asking for prescriptions all the time and went to essential oils. And I'm not going to tell the I'm not going to tell you the company I've used. You probably know what it is, uh, but I, it's it's not a plug. Well, all I can say it's uh, DoTerra. Uh, this is not an advertisement, though. It's just a plug. Uh, so I started using DoTerra oils, and they have worked like a charm. One of the reasons I went to DoTerra, well, I started using essential oils, is because I read, or the person who sold me the oils read that the cream that I was using has steroids. And if I kept using it all the time, it would affect my skin. And I didn't want that. I was tired of going the medical route all the time. I knew that there was something better. But at that time, when I was in dire need, I was going to go the medical route. I didn't have time to mess around with oils or whatever. And at this time, when the blisters appeared, I did have time to mess around with oils and see what worked. And gosh, I've, I haven't used oils in a while because a lot of things are boxed up right now because I'm getting ready to move again. But uh, let me tell you, I haven't had to use the oils in a few months on my feet. So there's something to it, don't you think? So let's use your example because it's a good one, I think. So yeah. when you're using an allopathic medicine, an allopathic, the word for that is simply um, what, you would, what you would probably call the medical route you know that's allopathic medicine that's going to your physician that's getting a prescription for some you know medicine to take care of the symptom that you've described yep. so when you do that the medicine or the prescription that you're using is going to treat the symptom it's going to treat the blister it's going to treat the infection mm -hmm. now like you said sometimes there's a there's a time and a place for that because that symptom or that that infection is 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 getting large and it's becoming worrisome yeah. So you, you definitely want to treat, you know, you want to hit the symptom hard. Um, but let's talk about, let's say the steroid that you were taking for that. That's going, the steroid is anti-inflammatory. So what yeah. it does is it's going to. By the way, I wasn't taking, it was cream with the steroids right. in it just for clarification. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yep. So you're using it on the skin topically and that, that steroid cream is anti-inflammatory. So it's going to cut down the inflammation in the foot. Mm -hmm. However, 
an anti-inflammatory steroid also slows down your immune reaction in general. So now when we think holistically or whole body related in relation to that, it's going to slow down the blister, the inflammation on your foot, but what is it doing to your overall system? It's actually impairing your immune system. So now let's say you're doing this in the middle of flu season, whereas last year you may not have gotten the flu this year because your immune system is impaired because of the steroid you're using, you are going to get sick where you wouldn't have last year. So that's saying, that's taking it past symptom treatment. Does that make sense? The cream yeah. you're using is treating the symptom, but you don't, but everybody needs to think, what else is it doing to me? Because everything we use, everything we take, everything we apply to our body, everything we inhale, everything has effects other than the thing we intend it to do. So it's going to help your foot, but what else is it affecting? It's affecting your immune system. So now let's go to the oils. So you're calling that holistic, but what I'm going to hopefully help you see is that what that is doing is it was doing the same thing as the steroid cream. It was treating the, the symptom you had on your foot. However, it was also acting internally, just like the steroid was acting internally. The oil was acting internally as well. That oil, and I don't what, know which one you were using or which ones you were using. I'll but tell you the, what I was using, uh, lavender, tea tree, and eventually I was using frankincense. All, all right, of them so, put together. All of those are going to have a couple of things. They're going to have an antimicrobial effect. They're also going to have a detoxifying effect. So most likely the blisters, and this is the first thing that popped to my mind when you started your story, is nobody addressed for you. Neither, neither approach has addressed why were the blisters happening. That's the first step. And that's the first thing that any kind of holistic approach to a symptom will take is what is the reason for that symptom? So the first thing that popped into my mind, well, two things. First of all, circulation. What was going on with circulation? Was there a problem with blood sugar issues in you? The second is detoxification. Skin's the biggest detoxification organ in your body. So if you're getting blisters, most likely you're trying to detox from something. So let's go back to the oil. Now the oil's treating something topically, meaning it's taking care of the inflammation, it's taking care of the bacterial effect. That's what the tea tree is going to do. But then you add on frankincense, all of a sudden frankincense is going to also help with the detoxification. So if the need to detox something in your body is what's creating the blister, then you taking you using the frankincense on your foot will also affect internally what's happening. It will also take care of the source of the symptom. That's holistic. That's the holistic approach. So it's not whether you're using an oil or a prescription. Both of them really aren't using a holistic approach if nobody's saying, what are these doing to the rest of you? And is that gonna be beneficial or harmful? So that's what a holistic approach does, is it says, okay, here's this thing, this symptom. We all come for, we all go to the doctor for symptoms, <laughs> for pain, for problems, for whatever it might be, here's the symptom. We can treat it just that symptom, that's the traditional medical approach, or we can say, you know what, why don't we figure out what that symptom's from? Let's treat it and the symptom we have. That way we've taken care of the problem over the long term. That's a holistic approach. Does that, does that make sense? I think so, yeah. Um, we, by the way, we did check the circulation. My doctor didn't. I did have good circulation, so who knows? But, so it's uh, probably a detox issue. Could be. Another thing is uh, genetically, I, I have a genetic disease and foot issues is an issue with genetics, so who knows? But um, yeah, anyway, it's working quite well. And that actually bridges right into uh, holistic dentistry here that I want to talk about. 
back to the uh, healthy body, healthy mouth, you talk about on your website, and this is something I got a little confused about. I actually, we'll talk about root, what is a root canal? Part of my ignorance, I think I know what it is, that the, the root of your teeth is infected, your tooth. Uh, what is one exactly? I should know this. Well, if you've never had one, then you shouldn't have to know it. <laughs> no, I have never had a root canal. That's good. Never. So if, a, if a, they're in the inside of the tooth, there's the part of the tooth that you see on the outside is called the enamel. That's yep. the outside layer. It's hard. It's mineral dense. The next layer in is a little softer. It's called dentin. It has collagen and it has all sorts of little feeder channels inside of that layer. Then the yep. center of the tooth is the nerve or the pulp of the tooth. That's where the nerve is. That's where the circulatory system for the tooth is. So all the blood supply, the vessels, everything that comes and brings nutrients into the tooth from the rest of the body. Um, that's where it comes is through that center of the, of the tooth. So if you have a cavity that's very deep, that goes all the way through that outer surface into the dentin and reaches all the way to the nerve of the tooth, it can kill the nerve of the tooth. If you have a broken tooth and it breaks all the way down into that nerve of the tooth, the same thing can happen. So once the nerve of the tooth has been exposed and, and or dies, that nerve, the tooth is no longer alive. And there's two choices at that point. You can remove the tooth or you can do what's called a root canal. And for years, I mean, centuries, all they knew to do is to, to remove the tooth. Well, taking the tooth out is kind of, it's actually pretty hard. <laughs> it's painful and it's all those things. So doctors in the uh, late 1800s figured out that they could instead clean that nerve tissue on the inside of the roots all out. It goes all the way down inside of the roots of the teeth, clean that all out, sterilize it or disinfect it on the inside of there, and then fill it up with filling material way down inside of the roots. So that's what a root canal is, is it's just a root filling. It's filled all the way down to the roots, all the way down to the end of the root. So that the nerve, the place that the nerve used to be is now filled in with filling material. And it's a different filling material than the rest of the tooth. It's called gutta percha. It's kind of a rubbery like material and it's heated up and you know, formed down into those root canals. That's what a root canal is. I can tell you the problems with it now if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> so, Continuing on with that description and the anatomy of a tooth. Remember those feeder channels that I talked about? Yeah, they there's about the, three of them, isn't there? There's actually a mile in your front tooth. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's main oh, channels. Oh, I'm thinking of the three. tubes, yeah. Yeah, there's main, the main channels. It depends on the root. It depends on the tooth, like a front tooth. Let's just take a front tooth. Front tooth it, has one main nerve. It's a mile long, nerve. correct? Yeah, it has one main nerve all the way down. But all those little microscopic feeder channels, they feed the rest of the tooth. They, there literally is a mile worth of those microscopic tubules inside of one front tooth, which is crazy. So that one main root canal area, that one main nerve area is cleaned easily. We can clean it out. We use this long file and we scrape it and clean it. Then they actually use bleach. That's the disinfectant tooth to, to kill all the bacteria in there. Use bleach down inside of the tooth and it kills the bacteria in that main nerve area. The trouble is it's literally impossible to kill all of the bacteria in all of those feeder channels. It's impossible. Not only that, but it's impossible to get all the dead nerve tissue out. So you put that filling material in that, that gutta percha, that rubbery material, seal it in, you've now sealed the infection inside of the tooth. And there's no blood supply anymore. You just removed it, you just took it out. Body's immune system to that. It doesn't hurt, the nerve's gone but it reinfects and that infection is quite deadly because it's 
anaerobic, meaning there's no oxygen get that gets to those guys. Those are the bad dudes that live in a non-oxygen space. And it doesn't hurt the nerves gone. So it builds up this infection at the end of the root and you don't even know it. Nobody knows it's happening, but that root canal failed. It doesn't hurt. There's no symptoms until it gets really bad. Um, however, that infection doesn't stay put. Every single time you chew, you're in essence shooting that infection through everywhere else. And it can affect, who knows? You know, if you had a root canal, who knows? Perhaps those blisters on your feet could have been from some of the infection in a root canal affecting your feet. So there's hmm. so many downstream effects that we call it, you know, so many things that can happen in your body on a systemic or overall basis based on infection that's hidden in your mouth. And it's enormous, the impact, because nearly 30 million root canals are done in the United States per year. So if you think about 30 million per year times how many years, how many people are walking around with a, you know, one or more teeth that have a root canal? Oh, I, I think my dad had several root canals uh, <laughs> when so. he was, I, I, yeah, I, I, I just seem to remember, oh, your dad had to go to the dentist today, he had a root canal, it seemed to happen over and over and over, is that because of what you said, uh, his teeth, his tooth still got infected because of the feeder tubes, do you think? I, I, unfortunately, my dad's not here, I, I can't ask him, he passed away. Well, he, he was getting cavities. That's what would led to the root canals is he was getting a lot of cavities, deep cavities. And uh, that's, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, what are, what are dental cavities from? And it, it's largely somewhat it's due to not, you know, to, to actual toothbrushing and caring for your teeth, but that's all anyone's ever talked about. And there's, that's just like one tiny little piece of it. A huge piece of it is nutrition and whether sometimes whether you're able, able able to absorb nutrients properly and if you're not your teeth are one of the first places that suffer so a lot of times people will just have nutritional issues and it will show up as a lot of cavities which will then lead to a lot of root canals which then leads to a lot of overall health issues that you have no idea stem back to your mouth interesting uh, well because i think the reason i said my dad kept going to get a root canal is i just wonder because like you said it seals the infection off, but then there's no oxygen that goes to the other tubes, if I understand yep. you correctly. Yep. So do you think he had the same problem with the same tooth, let's say five or six years down the road or something like that? He may have. Yeah, that's called a retreat root canal. So he may have had some root canals retreated as well, which is again, you know, and, and the idea of a root canal is great. I mean, being able to save a tooth, that's a fabulous idea, you know, but the problem is, is it's just faulty. It doesn't work. And we didn't know this for years. We didn't know this. We didn't know. I mean, I've done thousands of root canals myself. We didn't know that there was residual infection because our traditional x-rays, just our regular x-rays, you go to the dentist, they put a little x-ray in your mouth, they snap it, you know, you can't see this issue. But now we have dental CT scans. It's called a cone beam CT scan. And dentists have them in their offices now. At what, as, long, as soon as I got that CT scan and started taking CT scans on every new patient, I was absolutely dumbfounded at the amount of failed root canals, reinfected root canals that I had no idea were happening. Every single day, I probably find at least five root canals that have failed that nobody knows. So this dental CT scan has given us the opportunity to see things that we never could see before. So dentists aren't doing anything bad, like they're not knowingly doing anything wrong or bad by doing a root canal. We just didn't know. We didn't know that they weren't effective long-term. 
<laughs> well, let me ask you out. this, because I, uh, years ago, uh, about 24 years ago, I worked with a guy who got his tooth pulled out. Now, now this guy was, let's just say, didn't make much money. Do you think that's probably why he got his tooth pulled instead of a root canal? Because I'd imagine a root canal is very expensive. He even complained to me that it was $98 to pull his tooth out. This is back in 96. I'm sure it costs more now, but if he didn't have much money, do you think that's why he did it instead of a root canal? Because I'd imagine those are very expensive. Yeah, perhaps that is why, but you know what? I'm glad he did. More often than not, I'm recommending that that's what people just do is just get the tooth removed. And it's, it's frustrating and discouraging to lose a tooth. But, you know, I used to tell people that we will save your tooth at any cost. Now I say to people, you know what? I'm going to save your health at any cost, even if it means losing a tooth. Because the health, your health isn't worth keeping a dead tooth that reinfects in your mouth. It's not worth it. Because it, it will affect you in ways you don't even understand. And most likely no one will know it's from the tooth until years down the road. Yeah, what would you replace it with though? Because so, um, you have to have teeth to eat or at least successfully. You do. Well, you don't have to. That's one fallacy that we dentists always believe too, that we're so important that everybody needs us. People can actually live without teeth, but <laughs> it'd be harder to eat. I would think, especially it is crackers or cookies. Yeah, absolutely. So for sure, people most often would like to have the teeth replaced. So what we replace them with is dental implants, but we don't use the kind that everyone else uses. We haven't really talked about metals at all metals, those mercury fillings that I got sick from that are in a lot of people's mouths, um, as well as metals under crowns and metal dental implants. If you know anything about metals and the way they work, they will conduct electricity. That's why, you know, all the wires in your home are metal. They're copper wires. They're, you know, that, that's, how we, that's how electricity is transferred is along metals. So if you have metals in your mouth, it will actually create a small battery in your mouth. And that battery literally drains electrons or, elect or energy from the person. So I tell people metals in your mouth, whether it be fillings, crowns, dental implants, it's like leaving the light on in your car at night. It's not a huge drain. That light's a little light, you know, but what happens when you come out in the morning? The battery's dead because it was just a slow, long-term drain. Same thing happens with metals. If you have a lot of metals in your mouth, it will create a battery and it will slowly drain your energy. A lot of people have chronic fatigue and memory issues and they don't know why. And usually it's, it, or a lot of times it's, it's related to metals. So it used to be that there was only an option of replacing a tooth with a metal dental implant, but now we can do ceramic. We actually have ceramic dental implants that are stronger, stronger than the metal ever was and has no no problem with batteries or uh, draining electrons or anything like that. And the body absolutely loves these ceramic replacements. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, um, yeah, that, that's very fascinating. Now, something I'm interested in is um, let's suppose I walk into your office for the very first time for a checkup what happens since you are a holistic dentist? I know you hate that term, but I'll use it because I don't know what else to use. Well, exactly. how, how is this going to work? All right. So a typical dental visit, you're going to get, you know, x-rays, cleaning, all of that. But for me, I like to step back a little ways. So we ask you questions about health 
and wellness. We ask you, what are your symptoms? What things are you experiencing right now? What have you experienced in the past? What have your dental experiences been? Um, what might you be struggling with right now? What's your nutrition like? We go through a lot of questions and we ask a lot of things. We then do a lot of tests as well. So we test your pH, your, your mouth pH. We do an adrenal test to see how your adrenal function is right now. We take that CT scan that I told you about. We test something called heart rate variability. Um, it's a test to show how your body does in response to stresses. Um, you know, is it going to respond appropriately? A lot of these things will give us insight as to what, into what's happening in your mouth. Um, so we test a lot of things, go through it all, really have people share what's been happening in their health and their body, everything from a top to bottom standpoint. Then we look at their teeth and we say, okay, is there anything here that could be contributing to what you just have described to us? So, you know, let's go back to your example of your feet. I'd say, wow, okay, Kevin, I'm really interested that you shared with that with me about your feet, because that really sounds like a detox issue. And look, in your mouth, you actually have four mercury fillings. Those mercury fillings are probably, that mercury is probably trying to get out, maybe can't very well. And so it's trying to get out through your feet. That's, my, that's what I suspect. I think if we get these mercury fillings out, it may help you. We don't ever promise, can't promise that it will, but we sure hope it will because we see a lot of people that it helps. So that's, that's how we put all the pieces together. And that was a very simplified version, obviously. But um, that's how we put all the pieces together. We look at all the things that could be causing problems. We look at metals. We look at infection. We've already talked about root canals. That's a hidden place. Sometimes where people had wisdom teeth removed is another hidden place. We look at sleeping. Those are my big three, metals, infection, and sleeping. So many people don't sleep well and don't realize that we see all the signs for it in the mouth and that affects everything from a health standpoint. So we look at the big three and we say, all right, here's what we may, here's what we have recommendation wise on all of these things. We'd like to work with your physician or whomever else you work with, your naturopath, your herbalist, you know, whoever we want to work with them on any recommendations we make. And we try to pull it all together. So before you even get one thing done, we're going to make sure that we have a plan that addresses the symptoms that you come in with. Interesting. So my checkup could take a few days probably. So it typically takes a couple of hours when you're there in the visit, there in the appointment. And then depending on the amount of things we have to discuss, sometimes I'll ask for permission to take extra time away from the patient. And I go and I study all this information. And then we have people back for what we call a planning appointment where we go through all the findings. And sometimes I do that virtually. I'll do that actually through a, a like a Zoom call like this, you know, <laughs> through through a, an online portal where we'll, so people don't have to come back for that second visit, but we walk through everything that we're, that we found and all the recommendations. Oh, wow. So do you get, how do people find out about you? Because I, I heard about you through Sam Bushman and I can mention his name because he does a podcast, as I'm sure you know, Liberty Roundtables. I can mention Sam's name. It's public. How do people, other than that though, how do people hear about you? Well, like you said, we have a website that has a lot of information on it. And a lot of people get information through that and then become interested because some of their symptoms line up with things we describe on there. So that's totalcaredental.com. Um, I really encourage people to go to the website because right now, while I'm not doing dentistry, I don't know, I'm kind of one of those people that can't sit around very much. So right now, we're actually putting content on a blog. It's called Living Well with Dr. Michelle. And I'm a big... Um, 
I've always been very into traditional arts, uh, traditional ways of living, all those sorts of things. And so um, I have a very active YouTube channel with uh, emergency um, information, those sorts of things. But on the Total Care Dental website now, every single day, we're putting some of these Living Well content pieces, everything from how to keep yourself well during this coronavirus to recipes. Uh, right now I'm making a whole section on how to make natural yeast bread. Um, we've talked about how to make your food budget stretch. I mean, there's so much information on there that has nothing even to do with dentistry. So if you have a little extra time right now, go on that website, go learn a thing or two. Like you said, you learned a lot on the website. Hopefully go pop on the health info on there. Cause you'll see all the things that we've been adding every single day now. Um, we just want to, I just want to share. That's, that's my big love is just to share and to help people with answers that maybe they hadn't figured out on their own. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you. Um, so let's go back to, okay. Let's say I had four teeth with mercury. How would you get that out? And then what would you replace the fillings with? Or let's say I had a cavity. What would you replace the feeling with if it wasn't mercury or something? What, what do you replace it with? So let's start on the mercury first. First of all, if you're going to have that replaced, do it safely. Go to a dentist that can remove it safely. And what that means is just simply you're going to be protected and the dentist and their team member who's right there too. Everyone's going to be protected from that mercury because, I mean, you don't have to be a dentist to realize that that's being drilled, that there's going to be aerosols, there's going to be mercury in the air, there's going to be mercury that splatters everywhere. You know, you don't even have to, you know, think much about this to realize that it's going to happen. So if you're going to have the mercury filling removed, please, please, please do it safely. Do it safely. Find someone who can do it for you safely. Um, but what do we replace it with? We replace it with a material called composite, and it's a resin glass mixture. So it has resin and glass. It's white. You don't, um, you don't see it. It pretty much blends in with the tooth completely, and it functions just like a tooth. Oh, wow. Um, how long does it take to remove the mercury? I guess you, you obviously would have to have a mask, but I, I guess I would have to have a mask as well, I guess. Yeah, we use something called a rubber dam that okay. isolates the tooth so that basically none of the mercury is getting back into your mouth. Because you think about it, if it's getting into your mouth while it's getting drilled out, you're going to swallow it. It's going to get into your tissues. It's going to get into your body for sure. So yeah, we use a special mask, we use a special vacuum, we use a special, you know, a bunch of different things. So it just depends on the size of the filling, but you know, it's, it's an hour, it's an hour or less to get the filling out, to get the filling replaced, to get everything cleaned up. It's, it's not that long. Now, um, I heard that you, I read on the website somewhere where you put ozone in teeth. What would you use ozone for? And I also heard ozone is not a good idea to put in someone's throat if they have strep or something. Apparently somebody did that once and he said he'd never do it again. So that's interesting that you say that because I'm running a course for doctors on ozone this week. Um, we have 50 dentists that we're training how to do ozone. So let me tell you a little bit about what ozone is to begin with. Um, ozone is simply three molecules of oxygen. If you know anything, I mean, anybody who's taken even high school chemistry knows that oxygen is typically O2, right? Yep. Um, so oxygen likes to be in pairs. So when you have lightning, lightning actually creates ozone. If you've ever smelled that smell after lightning, you're smelling ozone. So ozone create, or excuse me, lightning creates ozone. Also, you can do, you can have a combustion chamber that will create ozone as well. It breaks apart all the ozone, two of them team up together and then a third joins. It's very unstable. 
So that third oxygen molecule wants to go find somebody to join up with because it doesn't like to be in threes. It likes to only be in twos. Well, all microbes, so it doesn't matter if it's a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, parasite, doesn't matter what it is, all of the microbes have uh, the ozone, the oxygen has the ability to go bind onto that microbe and kill it. It literally breaks open the membrane of the cell and it, all its guts spill out and it dies. <laughs> so ozone will kill viruses. Ozone will kill bacteria. It will kill all of the above every single one of them. And it's non-specific. It kills them all. It doesn't matter what it kills. It kills everything. Could it kill the coronavirus? Absolutely. It will kill the coronavirus. It's amazing. In fact, you go start researching um, ozone for killing coronaviruses. They're doing a huge research study on it in Italy and Spain right now. Huge research study. I found a study from 2004, Wuhan University of all places. I actually had it translated because I could only find it in Chinese using ozonated water to kill SARS virus in 2004. They knew this 16 years ago that ozone could kill this type of virus in Wuhan. That was where the, that was where the study was done. Um, ozone absolutely can kill the ozone virus. Here's the trouble with ozone. Um, it, there are two kinds of cells. So our cells, our healthy cells have what's called an antioxidant in the membrane. The membrane just means the outside of it. So Oz, or excuse me, oxygen, that single oxygen molecule trying to find something to bind to, when it binds to something, it oxidizes it. So that's what you've heard about when you hear things that are antioxidants, they can't oh. have oxygen bind to them. Oxygen can't bind to them. Oxygen can't oxidize them. Have you ever cut a potato or um, an avocado or something and the, the surface turns brown? You know I how don't you, know. Uh, <laughs> that's true. You I, don't see. <laughs> yeah, Anyone I, I else don't... who's listening will know this. Okay. Well, unless uh, wait, wait, wait. If the potato's rotten, is it brown or? No, no. If you leave it out. So if you cut a, if you cut a potato and you leave it out for a while in the air, the cut surface actually turns brown. It oh, that's the, my problem. I don't leave it out. When I cut it, I'm usually doing something with it right away. You put it in right the water away. immediately. Yep. yep. Or an avocado, the same thing. The cut surface will turn brown quite quickly. Or a pear or a peach, all these things. The cut surface will turn brown quite quickly. That's oxidation. Oxygen is binding onto the outside of that peach or avocado or wherever it might be. So that's what happens to the, the microbe is the oxygen binds to it, oxidizes it, and breaks it open and kills it. Well, our cells have an antioxidant in the membrane, so they can't be oxidized. Oxygen can't bind to them. However, there are two kinds of cells that do not have that, or at least it doesn't work as well. That's lungs and eyes. So you cannot put ozone directly into the lungs. That's probably what the person was talking about with the throat. It will make you cough like no other. Because well, then why did he do it? Sell it. Why would they do it? Try to, to try to kill a virus, I'm sure. But there's other ways to do it. There's ways to do it safely not that, that are not just directly breathing in ozone because <laughs> it will make you cough and cough and cough and cough and cough because the body's trying to get rid of it. It won't damage it long-term, but it will make you cough like crazy. Um, wow. There are ways though to do it. So what do we use it for in um, dentistry? We use it for tons of things because there's so many microbes. I'm mean, think about your mouth, it's teeming with microbes. So we use it if someone has gum disease. We use ozone water and ozone gas underneath the, underneath the gums. We use it underneath in a deep filling. A, a cavity, all a cavity is is bacteria. It's bacteria that's invaded the, the tooth structure itself and it turns it soft because that bacteria is kind of eaten away the tooth. So if we put ozone on a cavity, 
we can stop the bacteria from growing. We can stop that cavity, depending on the size of it. But sometimes we'll do it at the very deepest part so that we don't get to the nerve. Um, we can use ozone in surgery areas that where someone's had an infected tooth. We can use it in there to kill all the infection. Um, the biggest one though in dentistry is, this is a little known secret in dentistry. You're gonna get an inside view on this. We're trying to make this more known. Um, so in, have you ever, people will get this. If you've ever had a water bottle that you've left water in for a couple of days. Yes, not, it tastes not, disgusting. It tastes disgusting, but if you Unless you have a glass water bottle, then you're probably all right. But even though it's even there, it's going to grow with a glass water bottle. If you fill in the inside of that water bottle, you're going to feel kind of a scummy feeling, kind of a slippery, kind oh, of really? slimy okay. feeling. I just know yeah. I did that with a plastic water bottle and it was disgusting. Yeah, it does taste nasty. Well, if you put water in your own water bottle, not when you get from a store, but in your own water bottle, leave it for a couple of days, pour it out. You're going to find that there's kind of a slimy layer on the inside yep, of the water I've bottle. I've done that. Yeah, I've done yep. that too. Yep. yep. And that's just microbes. That's just microbes growing. Where did those microbes come from? <laughs> they came from the water. They were in the water and they also came from the air. They were already in the bottle before you put the water in there. So the water is just the perfect environment for the microbe to grow. It's wet. They love it in there. So they're just going to continue growing and create that real nice slimy layer. Well, in a dental office, there's all sorts of water lines. There's all sorts of tubes. If you think about it, when you're getting your teeth cleaned, um, they're using a thing that sprays water out of it. They're using yep. a, a thing that sprays water and air to squirt the tooth, the tooth. If when you're getting your tooth drilled on, that drill has water coming out of it along with the air. There's all sorts of water lines in a dental office. Well, there's two problems. First of all, bacteria or microbes come in through the, just the city water, first of all, and then they stay in those water lines and they are happy campers. And they set up shop and they grow inside of those water lines. So then when we use a drill or something like that, that that squirts water out, it's squirting out those microbes along with it. Um, so the other problem is, is that when we're doing a drill or something like that in a mouth, there's a lot of splatter of saliva. Well, that saliva splatter can get back up into our lines as well. So now we get infection from the mouth, bugs from the mouth getting into the water lines that are then shared with the next person that comes along. This is disgusting. So when you use ozone water in the lines, so that's all I use in my lines and my water lines. When I use ozone water in the lines, it kills all microbes in those lines. So I'm no longer gonna be sharing bugs from one patient to the next. I'm no longer gonna be sharing bugs from the city that came through and then spreading out to the rest of the patients. I'm no longer gonna be doing that. So that's one of the most important uses for ozone in the dental office is to disinfect those water lines so that we don't share things amongst patients and from the city that shouldn't be in there amongst patients as well. So I could talk about this one for days. I had a really interesting experience actually. Um, our practice has grown and so we, we acquired the office next to us. So we, now we have two buildings right next door to each other. The one office that we acquired had been a dental office previous for 15 years. And we moved into there. We just literally moved into their offices, their equipment, started using everything they'd been using for 15 years. Well, two days into working there, my vacuum seized up. It stopped working. In a dental vacuum, there's, I mean, think of all the stuff we're sucking up. It's pretty disgusting. And so we have a big trap, it's called, and it collects all the, the, the chunks, you know, that, that won't go down the water line. It collects all the chunks first. Well, we realized that that huge trap, and it's big, it's, it's about a quart size full. That quart size full trap was full. And I thought, oh, okay, the previous dentist just hadn't drained the trap very recently. So we dumped it out in him and it's pure nastiness in there. Dumped it out, got back to work again, worked for about another five minutes, the vacuum seized again, went, that whole trap was full again. 
we emptied that trap 12 times that day. I didn't realize what had happened until two days later. All of a sudden, two days later, I went, oh my goodness. It's because we use ozone water in those lines. He'd never used ozone water in the lines. We used ozone water in the lines for those two days we've been working. It had dislodged all of the microbes and bacterial sludge from 15 years, had loosened it all up, and it all came out in one day. 12 Ooh. quarts of sludge from inside of those lines in one day. I hate to say this, but did looking at all the bacteria make you puke? <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. Ooh. So there is huge uses for this. This is why I am on a soapbox right now with dentists to say, listen, you have got to use ozone in your practice. So anyone listening to this, please go ask your dentist, do you use ozone? It's not some crazy hokey pokey thing. It's just three molecules of oxygen that kills microbes. That's all it is. That's all it is. Every dentist needs to be using this in their office. Well, let me ask you this. Um, oh, before we I get there, back to root canals. If I come to your dentist, if I come to you and you say I have a cavity, what would you pull my tooth out and put it and place it with a ceramic thing instead of doing a root canal? That, that's the impression I get. If the tooth is dead and it's already infected and there's no way to do, there's no way to save the tooth without a root canal, then I will give you both choices. I will say that your two options at this point are to remove the tooth or to have a root canal if you want to have a root canal done, I send you to a root canal specialist because I don't do them anymore. I just can't. Um, so, but I always will give someone the choice because it's a hundred percent your choice on what you get to do with your mouth and that standard of care. Okay. Um, so you yep. would remove it and then probably replace it with this ceramic. Yep. Ceramic implants. If okay. you would like it. some people choose not to have it replaced. If it's the very back tooth, if it's, you know, one that's not really chewing, then they say, you know what? I'm fine without that one. But if you have, yep. Oh, something uh, I just thought of. What is the purpose of wisdom teeth? Because believe it or not, I've never had mine pulled. Even well, though I went on good. a mission because of my experience, they told me you don't need yours out. Well, that's that, good. That's that a whole other story. But we probably had enough adequate uh, adequate nutrition. So Weston Price is an interesting, a very very interesting man. Um, he was a dentist in the 1930s that actually went throughout the world studying societies what they ate compared to what their teeth looked like. And the beautiful thing about what he did is he had a camera. So he could actually take photographic evidence of what he was finding. And in the thirties, he could still find people that hadn't been affected by the modern day diet. So he found these indigenous societies, he studied what they ate and he looked at their teeth. And what he found is there was a huge correlation between high nutrition and I'll, I can explain what that means, but high nutrient, um, content in the diet in young people and the size of their jaws. So the lower nutrition, the, the less vitamins they had in their diet, the smaller their jaws were. And what we're finding now is that's pretty much American general now has smaller jaws and the wisdom teeth don't fit. Wisdom teeth used to fit in everyone's mouth. So you must have had a higher level of nutrition during your development years or something happened that actually allowed your jaws to grow big enough for all of your teeth. So the fact that all of us have to get our wisdom teeth out is really a sign that our nutrition has severely suffered in the last hundred years or so, probably 150 years. Um, I have a lot of ideas about that, <laughs> but uh, it's- Well, where, it's interesting because where, I was the only one in my family that did not need them pulled out. Everyone else had to have them out. Yep. So something happened with you that allowed your jaws to grow large enough for the teeth to fit. That's a huge, huge blessing because I find a lot of hidden infections in jaws 
hiding where those wisdom teeth were removed. So because really? you didn't have to have yours out, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Now, uh, what is your opinion on braces? So a lot of times braces are also due to nutritional problems early in life. Uh, my son, we adopted him when he was two and a half. His teeth were already so severely crowded at two and a half years of age. His mother, his birth mother, that was one of the reasons that she selected our family because she knew that I was a dentist and she just said, something's got to happen with his mouth. He was really malnourished. Um, he was born extremely premature, was malnourished and up until the time we adopted him at two and a half. And um, because he didn't have good nutrition, his, his jaws didn't grow properly. So the, the huge need for braces now is also an indication that our nutrition has suffered in the last 100, 150 years. Now I have two brothers who are orthodontists. Their entire livelihood depends on people's teeth being crooked. <laughs> so, but there are ways to prevent it. It's also, it's a growth and development issue. It's usually related to nutrition. It's also related to airway, to sleeping, which largely enough is related to nutrition. If there's a, a milk allergy, let's say um, the child can't breathe through the nose very well, they breathe through the mouth at night, which changes the growth and development of the face. It makes it grow long instead of wide. And all of a sudden the teeth can't fit in the face anymore. And so now you need braces to be able to straighten up your teeth. So I'm not opposed to getting braces if you need them. What I'm saying is we need to step back and say, why do so many people need them? Because it's not a necessity. There's, there has to be a reason. There has to be a nutritional deficiency or an airway deficiency, something going on that's causing the need for braces in so many people. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, we're, we're getting way off topic, but this is fascinating. I hope you don't mind. Um, when did bike plates come about? Because I wore a bike plate slash retainer back in 1988 because my two front teeth were not coming in. And no, it was not a Christmas present, but mm -hmm. um, I hated that thing. I was constantly playing with it in my mouth. I'm surprised my front teeth grew in because I was constantly taking it out and playing with it on my tongue and my mom kept saying, you keep playing with that thing. You're going to wear that till Christmas. It didn't stop me, but <laughs> oddly enough, they came in. So something must have happened with well, the bike plate. Those are, those are actually something to try to eliminate the need for braces in the future. It's, it's really direct. Yes. Yeah, to direct the growth, direct the growth while you're still growing. So in order, like in your case to make room for those two teeth that weren't coming in very quickly, because if the, if the room wasn't held open, if this mouth wasn't, the jaw wasn't held open, then the teeth will close in. And then when the teeth come, then when those teeth do come in, there's no room for them. And then they're going to be quite crooked. So oftentimes those early retainers are to direct the growth, to hold the growth so that the teeth can come in straight. How does that work? Because it's mine. It just was a little plate that I wore at the top of my mouth with wires. I, I didn't feel it sinking into my teeth or anything. How does it work? It was just keeping your jaw from from closing in, in essence, because because it was sitting up in, like you said, holding you know teeth in place and wires. It was not allowing the the jaw to close up and get smaller, so that when the teeth did come in, there was room for them. So why do you think I got away with playing with it with my tongue as much as I did? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably because it was in there long enough. A lot of times those only need to be in there for, oh, eight hours a day, and they'll still do the work. Oh, mine was in there all the time. Exactly. That's I never why. took it out. <laughs> that's except why. Except to play with it. <laughs> yep. That was, I, it was in long enough to do its job. 
Yeah, and I, I think I had it for a good month and a half. It was in there for quite a while. Yep. Um, do you know when the bike plates came out? Oh, there's been different versions of all of, of things for years and years. People have been oh, okay. trying to try, trying to direct growth, trying to help you know move things as as long as you know as soon as there were materials, it would be acrylic and and bendable wires basically. Then people were able to make these. I would say sixty, seventy years. Oh, okay, because I had this put in my mouth in 88, and some dentist yeah. told me, oh, your dentist was ahead of the time. I yeah, find that good. hard to believe, but. <laughs> okay, so now let's get into the American Dental Association. Oh, before we go there, um, toothpaste. What kind of toothpaste do you like? Because I have not found any holistic toothpaste that I like, except for if I'm going to use one, it would be doTERRA. Uh, because any holistic toothpaste I bought just makes my breath smell nasty after a few hours, as opposed to the regular toothpaste. What would you recommend? Because people like me haven't had best good luck with holistic toothpaste. The doTERRA one is good. I like it. Um, it has a few ingredients that I don't love, but they're much better than most commercial toothpaste. And the reason I don't recommend commercial toothpaste is simply because if you look on the label and you cannot pronounce ingredients, then why would you put them in your mouth? You're talking um, you know, about Crest toothpaste? I'm talking about anything. You can get in the grocery store or the Walmart okay. or Walgreens or anywhere. Look at the label. Look at the label. If it's things you cannot pronounce, then why would you put them in your mouth? I mean, it's different than, it's different than uh, you know, a, a dish soap. You, know, you can't pronounce ingredients on that either. Well, yeah, but you're not putting it directly in your mouth. You're not squirting it in your mouth. You know? So would you, do you really want to eat those things? And people will say, oh, I don't swallow it. Well, it doesn't matter. You're going to swallow it. It's going to get through your gums. They're one cell thick. Everything you put in your mouth in that toothpaste is going to get into your body. There are all sorts of things. There are things that are in antifreeze that are in that, in those commercial toothpastes. There are um, things that are used as antibacterial agents that really aren't good for our, our body in general. They kill off our good bacteria. Uh, there's there's um, foaming agents, there's artificial colors, artificial flavors, there's a lot of sugar actually in there, a lot of sweeteners, uh, artificial sweeteners in there. There's just a lot of things that I don't want to eat. So why would I put them in a toothpaste? So the kind I like, my favorite is one from a company called Redmond. It's called Earth Paste and it's basically bentonite clay, some essential oils, some water, and a little bit of um, stevia for sweetening and that's it. Uh, I just think the more basic the ingredients, the better because do you really want to eat all the rest of that stuff? So when you're talking about bad breath related to a toothpaste, that's going to be more of a systemic issue. You've got to think, where is that coming from? Does that mean that you have a yeast overgrowth in your mouth, which may be if you have a white tongue, if people have white tongue, um, sore tongue at all, it's probably yeast overgrowth. Um, do you have issues with digestion? That's the biggest reason for bad breath is digestive issues. And so there's some bad smells that are actually coming up from down below. And that's going to be related to the way your stomach is working, the digestive function, all those kinds of things. So again, when we look at toothpaste, we don't just talk about toothpaste. We say, okay, what are the purposes of this toothpaste? I want it to do this. Therefore, this ingredient should do that job. Everything else is, is waste. We don't need it. And it's harmful, most likely. So that's, that's what I recommend on toothpaste. The simpler, the better. If you still have bad breath, you need to see if there's an infection in your mouth, if there's yeast problems in your mouth, or if there's something going on with your digestive system. You there? Yep. 
Oh, yeah. I was just gonna uh, ask you why does the uh, why does the bad breath happen after using these holistic toothpaste r much quicker than let's say the toothpaste I use at the grocery store, which can last a good five six hours or so. Probably bacterial growth because those have an antibacterial agent in it, which might be good for your mouth, but it's really bad for your gut. So, really? yep. So I would say look at um, if there's a gum issue, an infection issue in your gums or a digestive issue. Those are the two things you need to look for. I have a, oh, sorry about that. My microphone was giving me issues. Have you heard of a company called forevermint.com? I've not. Okay. Um, apparently a lot of dentists are recommending it. It's, uh, I heard about it on the Blaze TV back when I was a fan of Glenn Beck, which I'm sure you've heard of. Um, he used to advertise it. I guess it's all natural ingredients. Your breath will be good for about three hours. Perhaps. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. Okay. Well, so um, what is the best way to find, let's say I'm moving, which I have, but uh, how do I find a good holistic dentist? So there are a couple of places that you can go. Um, one's called the IAOMT. Um, that's an organization of dentists. Uh, there's no guarantee that everybody does everything. On my website, you actually can find um, information about questions to ask a dentist. That to me is going to be the best way to start is you just call up the dentist and ask them these questions. If they can't answer yes, then you know that you're probably not on the wrong track. Um, however, the IAOMT can give you a starting place. They can give you those to at least start to call. But uh, there's some specific things you want to look for, for sure. But that'll give you a starting point. Okay. And how long has holistic dentistry been around? I, I don't think there's too many holistic dentists out there, are there, according to what I have been reading? Oh, there's getting to be more and more as people really recognize the role that dentists can play in overall health care. And, you know, you, you did not talk about the ADA, but let's do it for just a quick second. Um, yeah. American Dental Association is a great organization that has supported the, the profession of dentistry for a lot of years. Um, they are heavily involved in legislating, like during this coronavirus outbreak, um, they were uh, lobbying congressmen in relation to help for dentists, because we're all out of business right now, uh, help for businesses and our, and our dentists and our businesses, you know, how to get us um, some SBA loans, those kinds of things. And so that's really what the American Dental Association is, is great at, is really helping to lobby for dentists as a profession. They have, to, they have to be careful about what they do on a profession-wide basis. So for example, they're never going to say, you know, my, my story of mercury fillings and getting sick from it, um, that's my story. They can't ever tell me that it's not true because it is. It's my story. You know, it's what happened to me. However, they on, a, on an association-wide basis cannot say mercury fillings are bad. They can't say that because there are so many dentists who have placed mercury fillings. Um, there would be a class action lawsuit against every dentist who's ever placed a mercury filling if they were ever to say things like that. So I don't have a problem with the American Dental Association. I just realize that they're limited in what they can change in the profession 
just because of the complexity of the way our legal system works nowadays. So that's why I kind of take it upon myself to educate my patients and to really help people know what's available and out there because the, the big organizations, they can't do it. They just don't have the ability to do it anymore. So that's why I really like to share that. Um, and so, you know, there are more and more dentists who are taking this approach, who are saying, you know, I think we've got a bigger part to play in this. There was a new book that came out two years ago that talked about, written by an MD actually, talked about how 60 to 80% of chronic illness is related to dental work, to dentistry, things in your mouth, 60 to 80% of chronic illness. So dentists are stepping up a little and saying, wow, I think we've got a bigger part to play than just, you know, drilling on your teeth. I think we can actually help with your health. So more and more dentists are becoming active and becoming educated. It's a big piece of it, becoming educated and just learning more. And as people like you and other people listening start to ask for it, their dentists will then start to do some research and find out more and learn more and, and be able to provide more as well. It's really going to be driven by the population, by the, by the people, rather than, rather than by the profession. Now, do you think the American Dental Association will come around and say, yes, this is a good idea, or do you think that'll never happen? Oh, they already are coming around with some of it. Um, ceramic implants, for example, they've already uh, recognized the, that there's a lot of positive aspects of ceramic implants. Um, there have been a lot of... Um, there have been a lot of countries that actually have outlawed mercury fillings. I don't think our country will. So there, but there's pieces that I think that as research becomes available, the profession at large will start to accept like ozone. It's one of those things that I think slowly now there's a big need for it. They'll start to realize that it's something important to use. Okay. Well, very good. Um, anything else about holistic dentistry before I ask a couple other questions? I think that we've covered a lot. <laughs> All right. By the way, stay with me after the podcast real quick. Um, you're not in trouble, by the way. But <laughs> yep. um, real quick, I forgot to mention at the early part of the broadcast or the podcast, just because we got so caught up in the coronavirus, you happen to be LDS. Are you a lifelong member or a convert or what? Lifelong member. My parents oh, where were you born at? Or born and raised. Born in Provo, Utah, of all places. I was raised in Emory County, though, kind of central Utah area. Is that, uh, okay, Sam Pete County is where Manti is, isn't it? Yep, that's over the, that's over the mountain from where I was born and or from where I was raised. I was, like I said, born in Provo, but raised down in Emory County. And what, what year did you, where did you go to dental school? I went to Creighton University. It's in Omaha, Nebraska. I graduated from there in 1997. Really? Yep. Okay. And uh, were you married back then? I was. Yeah. What did What does your husband do for a living? He's an engineer, but he's been helping to manage our office for years now because it's a big business. So we work together on it. Interesting. Maybe you should uh, do a multi-level marketing where the husband and wife works together. <laughs> we We like. do a different kind of work together. <laughs> Yeah, I went to an Amway. Uh, well, they had a thing called Quickstar back in the early 2000s. And I'm not kidding. It was like going to state conference all over again. Sometimes oh, the husband, well, we work together. We study scriptures. And we work together. I thought, what are you trying to 
get us to buy the product just because you do this, 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 come on. Hmm. Anyway, um, so any Pioneer stock? I do, yep. Back, oh. back a few generations. Very good. All right, and uh, what made you decide to go to dental school? My father's a dentist, so I just grew up in it, and it was just something that I knew I wanted to do medicine or dentistry, and I knew that dentistry provided a better, better uh, working environment for a woman, you know, easier to have a family and things. I'm not on call at nights, so it has worked great for me that way. Oh, good. And how does your father feel about holistic dentistry? Did he know what you were getting into? How, does, how did he feel about it? Well, he watched me get sick, so he knew that something had to change for me. Um, he hasn't ever had one bit of issue in dentistry his entire career. So, you know, I think that a lot of us get pulled into it because of health challenges that we have. Because I had a health challenge, then it led me to where I'm at today. So he's very supportive of what I do. He just didn't have to go there because he didn't have the health problems. Yeah. Now, why is there not a school so that you can get certified in holistic dentistry? I was a little surprised to find out there was no such a thing. Um, because a lot of the things are just regular dentistry, the things that you're going to learn in school anyway, with just a different thought process behind them. And so a lot of it, all the education for what I do now, I've had to just continue to learn on my own. Are there holistic dentist conventions out there that you go to or anything like there that? Are. There oh, okay. are. Yep, there are. I noticed there was supposed to be one in Houston that got canceled due to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, last question. What is your favorite part of being LDS? Well, that's a great question. I think for me, especially during a time like we're going through right now, is just the grounding it gives me to always think, about what's most important and what my ultimate goal is. It helps to keep me real clear when things are messy, which is right yeah. what we're in the middle of right now. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming on to the podcast and uh, I will talk to you later, folks.